Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Workbench. I'm your host, Connie Wang. So today I'm here for another episode of Chief Complaints, our Friday morning advice segment. I'm joined by Masha, our guest. She is a nervous system coach who you guys know and love. She's on once a month on this podcast. And today we talk about the come down, how to deal with the difficult feelings after you have a high, whether it's from your wedding or holiday spent with loved ones. If you've been struggling with coming down from a high, then this episode is for you. So without further ado, hit it editing, Connie. So the question for this week, let's get into it. I think this will be very fitting for us because we're just now leaving the holiday season. We're leaving fun times. We're leaving happy memories. Now it's that kind of dreary January. One of you guys submitted, I need help with the come down after a wedding. It's your best day ever. And then normal life. Um, And I think this is something that a lot of us are struggling with at work right now. It's like we just went through the most festive time of the year and only comes once a year. How do you deal with like a come down like that? Ooh, that's such a good question. Cause I actually definitely experienced that after my wedding. Really? You did too? I did. I definitely experienced that after my wedding. I feel like it's such a real thing. And I talked to clients after their wedding. I had quite a few clients get married over the last few years. It's a very real thing. Uh, Can you explain this? Because I'm like planning my wedding right now. So all in my head is I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the day to come. Like, I'm not thinking about how sad I'll be after. Yeah. So like the way I think about it, and like, I I guess I learned this after the fact, but when I went through it, I remember like all your focus is on this wedding. You imagine it's going to be the best day of your life and hopefully it is, right? But you're just so focused on this day and you expect this day will make you feel. And hopefully it does. It makes you feel a lot of those things. But then like life continues, it happens and then it's over. And this thing that you've been focusing on for months, maybe years, It's just like now in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a certain kind of like a little bit of like a depression that follows. Yeah. And so, you know, now I know part of the reason for that is actually your dopamine levels. And so what I mean by that is when you're anticipating something, your dopamine levels get higher. Like your anticipation of the thing and working towards the thing is where like that dopamine starts to increase. Right. But then once it happens it actually drops and it drops of a similar magnitude as it first increased. So does it drop you even lower than you were before? Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Um... Yes. There, there's um, interesting work by Dr. Ann Lampke and she talks about pain and pleasure as being like a seesaw and we're constantly balancing. So if you put a lot on the pleasure side, you're actually going to have to balance it out with pain. And so she describes these little gremlins after you experience a lot of pleasure very quickly from something external, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be a big wedding, but like something really big external. Afterwards, these like little gremlins that she describes kind of jump on the pain side to balance it out. Why is that though? Like why, how does that keep us healthy though? Because I think in my mind, everything has a purpose. Yeah. And I think the part of the purpose is just creating balance. It's kind of getting us back to that baseline. Uh... Right. Okay. So maybe we couldn't go back to that baseline if it weren't for, we have to recalibrate ourselves that way. Yeah. It's like that recalibration requires an equal drop. So as much as you put on the pleasure side goes on the pain side and it kind of balances out, which is why things like drugs, alcohol, gambling, shopping, whatever addictive substances, like that's why addiction actually happens, right? Because like when you put a lot on the pleasure side, very, very quickly, 
the other side needs to be balanced out. So some of those gremlins hop on. And if you just let yourself kind of sit in that discomfort, after a while, you'll find balance and you'll get back to your natural baseline. Mm -hmm. But if when those gremlins hop on, you're like, oh, this feels horrible. Let me do more of that thing. Drugs, alcohol, shopping, gambling, whatever your drug of choice is. It's like you put more on the pleasure side and more gremlins hop on. And then the more gremlins hop on, the more you put on the pleasure side. And that's actually how addiction forms. Do you think, you know what's interesting? I think that what happens is we're not aware when our dopamine goes down, we're not aware of how it went lower than before, I think. And so because of that, I think that's what makes us think sometimes it alerts us like, oh, there's something wrong. It's like this thing that's making, that made us happy. Like, or like, I don't feel as happy anymore. Like, I think we're very acutely aware in some ways that it's dipped lower than before, but rationally we don't realize like what we're doing. So it makes us feel like something's really off. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Like two things. One, I think it's what you're saying. We don't recognize that the seesaw has to balance. That after you do something that has a lot of pleasure, it's completely normal for that to be followed by a magnitude of discomfort or pain of an equal magnitude, right? Again, it's like, why if you ever do drink or do drugs or whatever you might do afterwards, there's a hangover. Afterwards, you feel really crappy. It's the exact same thing. Right. So I think we just don't realize that that's how it works. One. And we think, oh, my gosh, this means something is wrong. So I think that's one. And two, I think a lot of us don't have the capacity or the tolerance to feel that discomfort. Like in today's world, it's just so easy to get rid of discomfort that we don't have the tolerance to sit in that and allow it to come back to that healthy baseline. It's funny because that was my next question. I was like, so is the solution we have to suffer? Like every time we're happy, like what really does that look like then for this person that is going through the come down? Like how can she make that the time pass, I guess? Yeah. And I would say, yes, I think that that is part part of it to allow those uncomfortable emotions to be there. Like mm-hmm. something you were really excited about, something that brought you so much joy in the anticipation of it is over. And there is something sad about that, right? Like on one hand, it's like, well, you shouldn't be sad after your wedding, but isn't it sad that something you were looking forward to so much is now over and you don't have that thing to look forward to anymore? Mm -hmm. Like, I think there is a little bit of like grief or sadness that comes with that. And I think it's important to normalize and to have a tolerance for those quote unquote negative emotions. And, And that's what I was saying. I think a lot of us have lost to be able to tolerate any kind of emotions that are not happiness. You know, I think in our culture, we think happiness is the baseline. I don't think happiness is a baseline. I think happiness is an elevated state. And so I would say it's actually getting comfortable with those emotions. Like, yeah, it makes sense to be a little sad. It makes sense to have conflicting emotions. You might, you know, have really great memories and laugh about it and relive it. And then you might also feel a little sad or you might feel a little exhausted or you might even have, you know, even more complicated emotions like, was that worth it? Or, you know, I, did I love how that happened? Or, you know, that one bad thing happened and that was kind of painful, right? Like there's such a wide spectrum of emotions. And I think part of dealing with that low is expanding that and like inviting in wholeness, inviting that full spectrum of emotion to be present versus I only want positive emotions to be present. Mm, because it makes sense in order to feel that depth of sadness it must have been that was an awesome wedding you really loved everyone that was there you love everyone in your life you love your husband that 
And you know what I think too? I think we might have lost some of our tolerance for feeling uncomfortable because like my instinct, I'd be like, well, let's like plan something to look forward to then. That I think now is avoidance of that negative feeling. And instead it's kind of like putting a bandaid on it by giving you something else to look at, something shiny. Oh, you're spot on. And that's not the worst advice in the world, right? Like there's nothing bad about that, but you're a hundred percent right. If you're trying to look at this from a holistic lens, like what would be the approach that would make you feel more fulfilled and grounded long-term, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be planning that next vacation because you're just creating those like intense highs and lows again. You're right. trying to avoid those emotions. It would actually be, yeah, allowing yourself to feel that sadness because you're so right. It's like, you know, there's that saying like, grief is the price of love. Mm-hmm. I think there's something similar here, right? It's like you're sad because you have some you had something so wonderful to be sad about missing. Or like if you're I um I was just telling you I stay with my family a lot in New Jersey, but I live in San Diego. So mm-hmm. last year I came five times. So I had to leave five times after staying mm-hmm. with them for like three to four weeks. And it's really sad. It's really sad to leave. But at the same time, I think when I learned to have a little bit more of a full spectrum of emotion, I'm like in that sadness is a lot of gratitude and happiness. Like I'm this Mm. sad because I have something that I love so much that I hate leaving. Yeah. Okay. This makes a lot of sense. If I could, let me share a little something that I struggle with every time because I kind of have a similar situation. A couple times a year, I see my family, like my sister lives in Hawaii um, and we spend a lot of family time together. But I've noticed this acute feeling of every time we leave, I get really sad because And sorry, dad, because I know that my dad listens to this, but I get really sad thinking about how the inevitable that we're all getting older, my parents are getting older, and it's this very, like, acute, uncomfortable feeling that, like, I don't like to sit and think about, but, like, it's our, basically, I'm thinking about our own mortality every time, Um, and it's kind of, like, tough because I always know it's coming. I'm like, like, I know now I'm going to Hawaii, like, this weekend, I'll be there for the next few weeks, and I know when I leave, I'm going to be sad because, like, But I don't want to be sad because this should be family time and family time shouldn't be a constant reminder of our own mortality. (laughs) You know, like, honestly, I resonate with that so much. Like, if I'm being really honest, that's exactly what I think about every time as well. Like, that's very much what crosses my mind. I think part of, like, that sadness is because I ask myself, like, why am I so sad? I'm going to see them in three months. But you're right. I think there's just, like, I'm acutely aware of, like, there's a limited amount of time. And that's always true. But I think because you, we all know this, we all know this, but like, I just realized when I lived near my family, I wasn't thinking that I'm like, oh, I'll see you next week. And right. sometimes I wouldn't see them for a month, even though we lived 30 minutes apart, but I never mm. was forced to face that reality. And I think leaving your family and knowing, okay, I can't see them for X amount of months, or I only see them X times a year. I think it like really makes you face the reality of like, my time is limited. Right. And I, and I know that's sad. And I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I don't want to be thinking about that. Like, I'm going to Hawaii. Like, I want to have the best time ever. Yeah. Like, the last thing I want to be doing is being sad in Hawaii. But at the same time, it's like, is that just that preference for I just always want to be happy? And is it like in order to really feel your love for your family, I think we also need to feel like the fear of losing them and, and like mm-hmm. that mortality. You know, there's that famous quote, and I'm going to butcher it so bad, I could never get this right. It's something (laughs) like, the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can hold. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And it's in this book. 
I think the first time we ever chatted, we talked about 101 essays to change the way you think. And the idea is that um, grief and joy are technically the same emotion. So if you expand your ability, it's what we're saying. If you expand your ability to allow your body to feel big emotions of grief, you can allow yourself to feel big emotions of joy. Exactly. And like another way I think about it is like emotions kind of move through the same pipe or however you want to imagine Mm. it. And so if you close off one end, you're not allowing it to flow. And so if we try to close Uh. off the negative emotions, we're not allowing the positive emotions to come in either. You know, so like I just think so much of what you and I are saying of like, when we'd spend time away from our family, when we're with them, we are so present. We are so engaged. We are so aware of how grateful we are and how lucky we are and how much we love them. But that comes at a, at a price. And the price is being mm-hmm. aware of like, wow, I love this so much. I could lose it. And like that idea that you can right. lose it actually makes what you have more valuable, right? If you had unlimited time with them, you wouldn't be able to really appreciate it. Totally. And I think the weird thing is as you get older, this is going to be like a whole episode partially about weddings, but then also about like parents getting older now. (laughs) Um, But I think the weirdest thing about getting older is realizing like you learn more and more how your parents are just people too. There's a quote that always gets me and it's like, be kind to your mom. It's her first time at life too. And that like wrecks me every time because I'm just like, oh my God, that's like so true. And it's, but like, why is it that? It's just weird that it's only once we get older and once we think more about all of it ending that we become more acutely aware of it. Because like when I was like a bratty little 16 year old, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Um, Have you seen this chart too on social media going around where it's like um, a chart of your time spent with people and it's like time spent with your parents. It it goes down and then time spent with your um, like significant other. It goes up to a certain point. Time spent with friends. It goes up and then it goes down like. That always wrecks me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That that quote totally got me. I know. Did that quote? Are those tears? I see? <laughs> that is. That is. I, I tear up very easily. Yeah. Just you guys should know that. So it doesn't take much for me. Yes. But that got me. No, me too. Anything involving parents, for some reason, I don't know if it's like a core thing for us, but something about mom, dad, like parents really gets me. Oh, I'm exactly the same way. I could just think about it and be bawling in like three seconds. Yes. I can just think about it, which is why I do like, I resonate so much with what you're saying about like, I just want to be happy, but at least like what I've learned is I think to really love as deeply as maybe, you know, you and I do, and I, everyone loves their parents deeply, but maybe we feel extra connected for whatever reasons, be it, you know, immigration or whatever it may be. Right. But like that deep connection comes at a really high price. And the price is like those negative quote unquote negative emotions and fears, you know? And and I do think like what you were saying before, it's as you get older, you become like acutely aware of like your mortality and their mortality. And I think that makes you all the more grateful. Again, as a kid, you're just like, not that grateful. You're just so self-centered. Like you don't think of other people. And that's like a part of development. That's completely normal. Right. But like, as you get older and you start to think of others and think of like your time being limited and their time being limited, how much they've given you and how, you know, I think that's where those difficult emotions really come into play. And I do think it really connects even to a wedding of like, you imagine the wedding being like this once in a lifetime thing, and then it's over. And that's bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Cause like, if all goes well, that's going to be your only wedding. Yeah, hopefully that's your only wedding. Like, hopefully that's your only wedding. So that's kind of sad, right? This thing you've been looking forward to your whole life is now over and you know 
you'll never get that moment. There's this, um, I was actually just going to repost it, but I, I needed to make a whole video. There's this sound that's going around on like TikTok and Instagram. And I love that sound. I've, I've used it like multiple times and it's really beautiful. I highly recommend to everyone go listen to it, but it's something along the lines of- You can play it if you want. Or Ooh, like to remind yourself. Could we play it? Yeah, let's let's try. Yeah, yeah. Try playing it. Let me open it. It's so okay. beautiful. I again, I don't know if you're like if you're like me in this way, like I cry every time I hear it. Literally yeah. every time I hear it. <laughs> and then hold in your heart this prayer. This day of my life will never come again. I will never see the people I am looking at again. I will never see the sunrise again, and I will never see that sunset. I will never see the person having breakfast with me again. Just this way. Now, nothing in my life like this will ever come again. That alone, that choice alone, should take out of your heart every bitter taste there is. That it should shape the life around you with such grace and such beauty. It'd make you only want to see the present with great gratitude. Thank you, everybody. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that quote so much. Oh my God. We're so- <laughs> I think the two of us together is dangerous because it's just too easy for both of us to cry. <laughs> it really is. But these are, it's so beautiful. Like, it's so true. I don't think about this often about how um, every time you see anyone, you're kind of like a different version of yourself every time. Like they're never going to see you like this again. You're going to be different because you're going to have a new conversation, learn a new thing, you know? And we don't think about that, how this you in the moment is so fleeting. Yeah. And I think that like it does, it gives you so much gratitude, but it does give this like bittersweetness that it's all temporary. Yeah. It's all fleeting. And I think if you think through that lens, it's like a wedding there is something like that's like kind of heartbreaking about it. Like that moment will never mm. come again. You know, who was there, how they looked at you, like what your life was like, what their life was like, where they were at. It's never going to happen again in the exact same way. Everyone's going to grow and have different experiences and some great things will happen. Some really shitty things will happen, but like it will never be exactly the same. And I think if you really open yourself up to that, on one hand, you're opening yourself up to what she's speaking of, which is like, this intense gratitude and love. But I think that's mm-hmm. always counterbalanced, kind of like that seesaw with like an immense grief. But it's so, it's needed. Like it's what gives life meaning. Yeah. And I, and I even think about this, like a lot of my clients will talk about like relationships. Obviously that comes up mm-hmm. all the time. And I think that it, it's so true in relationship too, right? Like I think a lot of people are like, well, what if I'm going to get hurt? Or what if this doesn't work out? And then it's kind of recognizing you're in a relationship, you're engaged. Like the only way you could have the level of love that you guys have is if you risk a lot, like you, you're risking a lot being with someone. And I don't just mean like you're risking the fact that they could mm. betray you or it could not work out or they could change their mind. You're like risking the fact that like this person is a human being and also has like a limited mortality. So like fully right. loving someone is like such a huge risk because you're opening yourself up to so much like pain. I think about this with our dog. My parents have a dog and I don't see him a lot. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. It gets me every time because I don't see him all the time. Oh my God. And every year I'm like, he's yeah. getting older. He's getting older. I'm like panicked about it. You know what's funny? Recently, I feel like, because Jimmy and I started dating when we were like 
I think I was like 19, 20. Like the world was my oyster. I'm still young. I'm like 28. But I feel like as we get older, we hear about people losing their partners or things happening. And I like looked at him, I feel like for the first time, like the other day, like many ever, like a couple months ago. And I was like, oh, like he's not always going to be here or I'm not always going to be here. Like it was the first time I recognized like, oh, I get it. Like parents, grandparents, they go, but I'm like, oh, partners do too. And um, I learned something recently on a podcast. I think you'll like this. You can share this with your clients. The word sacred, when you think of sacred things like marriage or sacred bonds or like a sacred love of something, the root word, the root of the word sacred is sacrifice because it's the idea that you've sacrificed so much, like any other options to choose this one thing. You've sacrificed so much effort to love this one thing. And so I think that gives it beauty, kind of. Like anything sacred, it's because you've sacrificed a lot. Oh my God, I love that. And that's so true, right? Mm -hmm. What else would make it sacred? Like if there wasn't a risk or a price that you had to pay. Exactly. If you think about it like relationships-wise, it's like there's like a million people in the world. And I think that's part of why dating culture is so hard now is because people think like, well, I'll just find someone else. Or like, I'll just keep scrolling or whatever. But marriage and relationships are sacred when you like choose to only like through the tough times and all that only be with that one person. Oh my gosh. That is, that's so true. Damn. I'm going to, I'm literally going to cry after this episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know just some things for you to think about, just some, but just, you know, uh, some light, just some light thinking to do after, but, I'm dead. but you're so, it's so true. It's so incredibly true. And you know, like to go back to this person's question, cause it is such a no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like on one hand I am kind of, saying, feeling your emotions and acknowledging that like with something so beautiful and so much fullness and so much joy comes an equal magnitude of like sorrow and grief and sadness, right? For how fleeting things are for, you know, maybe a past version of yourself. Like there, there is something to grieve there. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And I think the more you acknowledge that, the more you open yourself up to even more joy. You know, like that's kind of how I think about it. Like those sad moments where I'm leaving my family, they're hard, but I think, sure, I could skip over them. I could, you know, go book another flight right after or book a vacation or distract myself with work, but I try not to. I try to really sit in that emotion, even if it's just for an hour on the flight or something or like to journal on it, Mm. because I think of it as like the more I could feel the fullness of this emotion, of this quote unquote negative Mm. emotion, the more love and joy I could hold afterwards like I maybe you could think mm-hmm. of it as a seesaw or like that quote like the carving out like sorrow carving out space for joy but I really think of that and so I really kind of encourage myself to be with those emotions knowing that that will only increase my capacity for love and joy moving forward and so right. like I think that's one of them one of the things to consider And in a more practical sense, if you think about that seesaw with pleasure and pain, because that's true with more things than just a wedding, it could be true with, I don't know, if you drink a little too much. I actually felt that way. I I honestly felt that way a little bit after graduating too. Not so much because I was pretty happy to graduate, not going to lie. But I did kind of feel this feeling of like, now what? And almost like... This might be something else too, but I almost felt a little bit homesick for who I was during school because I felt like I was, it was a whole identity shift. Um, And there were just so many good times where I was like, oh, it's never going to be like this. I'm never going to like go to my, like be so close to all my friends in one place. Like it's never going to be the same. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's another layer to it of like, even if you're super thrilled to be starting this new chapter of your life, you are still closing a chapter. Whether that be like a chapter of being a fiance or a chapter of living alone, like whatever, you are still closing a chapter and like some version of you is never really going to exist in the same way. And I think it's Mm -hmm. so important to grieve that. Like you could be, you could love the version you're stepping into and still grieve the version and the life you're leaving behind. Right. Like, especially if this person like loved wedding planning or was like a really happy bride, like that's got to be hard to shed that identity too, if you identified with it. Totally. And like, the truth is like the anticipation is so much more enjoyable Mm -hmm. because there's so much more dopamine in the anticipation than the actual thing. And so it's like, we're kind of giving that up. And now we're like, oh, okay, now it's just marriage, you know, hopefully decades and decades <laughs> long. And that's beautiful, but it doesn't have that same high. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? it doesn't have the same high. <laughs> There's no high to that. Not in the same way. It's not as exciting as planning a wedding. It no. is There's not as exciting as planning things. a wedding. And I think that's like really important <laughs> to acknowledge, but you're so right. There's like the complex emotions that come up. There is the version of you that you're leaving behind, the chapter of your life that you're closing, right? So those things are all hard. And then it's like, okay, how do I move through this? And like I was saying before, it's kind of like that seesaw that's happening with a lot of things. Like when you drink a little bit too much, you know, when you, I don't know, are kind of on a shopping streak, like whatever it could be Mm -hmm. to kind of allow that seesaw to balance out. It's really important to kind of be in that discomfort. And to really focus on doing things that don't spike your dopamine as much. It's tempting to go do something that spikes your dopamine, like book another trip. And then you think that you fixed it. You're like, oh, I feel me again. I fixed the problem. Exactly. When in reality, if you think of that seesaw, you just dropped more dopamine, which means more gremlins. So you're going to need more dopamine producing things in order to keep balancing that out. So the more we do these like dopamine, and this is like true in other things as well. Um, Huberman Lab has a great episode on this. He was even talking about something like going to the gym. And this resonated with me because this is so true. He was saying like, if you keep adding like dopamine inducing things to your gym routine, it's going to be really hard to be without them. So like, let's say you listen to music when you go to the gym, you have a pre-workout, you like go get a coffee, you do all these things that are really fun and like give you a little bit of a boost in dopamine. Try going to the gym without those things. It feels so miserable, right? And so he's saying like, the more we do that, the more miserable it feels. And the only way out of that is actually to consistently keep removing those dopamine inducing things and kind of getting comfortable in a discomfort, like finding joy and pleasure in the more simple things again by removing those high dopamine inducing things. And I think that's true even in this situation of how do you kind of remove those like really intense things that you've been used to that's like depleting mm-hmm. you a little bit in terms of dopamine. And how do you bring in like simple pleasures, slowing down, mm. being more present, more engaged, things that are fulfilling, but don't necessarily spike your dopamine. But over time, they actually raise your baseline level of dopamine, meaning you're at a baseline happier. Right. I, f- I feel like so much of modern day, like what we're learning is we have lost the ability to be with ourselves. Like we've added, added, added. And now it's like, okay, how do we like come back to ourselves again? And that's actually why we're so miserable because the more we add, we spike and then we drop and our baseline level of happiness is actually getting lower. But the more you do those mm-hmm. like simple things, I don't know, watch a sunset, go for a walk, connect with a partner, nothing like super exciting 
But the more you do that and find pleasure in that, research shows your baseline level of dopamine actually starts to increase. Another way of thinking about it is technically the opposite is true. If you put stuff on the pain side, you get more pleasure to balance it out. So things like an ice bath, right? It's pain, but afterwards you feel really good. That's a little bit of the balance. So doing hard things actually, again, actually gives you a different type of pleasure that's more long lasting. So also something to like play around with and consider during that time challenging yourself i'm so excited for this listener to i want this listener to um i'll send this episode to them but i want them to give us an update on like what they've been doing or finding that might help them in this kind of like post-wedding slump like i think that this will be really good for for anyone listening because these are not things that are intuitive totally and you're so right like i think it totally applies to this time of year in general and think about it right now Mm -hmm. it's so tempting to like jump on the New Year's resolution train and like more dopamine hits and I'm going to be this next version of myself and I'm going to do 5,000 things. And then everyone's like drained by February and gives up. I wonder if this is part of that, like really slowing down simple pleasures, being present with yourself. Yeah. Doing hard things consistently. Could that actually be how we get ourselves to that better place? Oh my gosh, I love this. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Masha. This was such a good episode. Leave where everyone can find you down below. Yes. So everyone can find me on Instagram. I'm Masha K, M-A-S-H-A-K-A-Y. And on TikTok where I'm not on there as much, but I'm trying to be guys. I'm Coach Masha K. Mm -hmm. So same spelling, just with the word coach in front of it. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll have you on again very soon. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so fun. I love answering questions. Oh, 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 oh